Welcome to Pageant Planet's podcast, where we share stories and strategies to help expand and connect the global pageant community. Visit pageantplanet.com to find pageants, hire coaches, shop for dresses, and more. Now, here's this week's episode. Welcome, everyone, to another Pageant Planet podcast. This is the podcast for contestants who want to be inspired and discover how to win the crown. I'm Jessie Ledoux McMullen, Pageant Planet's Queen of Coaching, and I'm joined by Miss America 2018, Cara Mund. Today, we're discussing the life and journey of Nova Stevens. Cara, set the stage for us. While the pageant industry has been partially on hold due to the coronavirus pandemic, Canada has been pushing through and crowned the new Miss Universe Canada, Nova Stevens. This model and activist has cap- captivated the international pageant industry with both her beauty and her brains. Nova was born in Kenya on May 25, 1993, and at the time her parents were fleeing the Second Sudanese Civil War and were determined to give their daughter a better, safer life. When she was six years old, her parents made the hard decision to send Nova to live in Canada. Although they wouldn't be joining her, she would have her cousin along for the journey. After living with relatives in Alberta and Ontario, Nova became living on her own when she was just 15. Just one year later, she moved to New York City to pursue her modeling career. With her stunning facial features and stats statuesque figure, Nova was able to work as a professional model until she was 21. It was then that she decided to bring her modeling skills back to Canada. In 2014, Nova moved to Vancouver and began exploring the modeling and acting scene. Now, Cara, I've never been to Vancouver. Have you? I have. Um, It was just like a day trip and that's it. Uh, But it's absolutely beautiful. I've heard it's really metropolitan. Yes, yes. And and I really shouldn't say I'm an expert at all. Like I said, it was a, um, you know, go in for a day, go out, but uh, I loved it. So um, for those of you that have never been to Vancouver, I would highly recommend look up. I spent a little bit of time on Instagram, just doing a location search to see everything it had to offer. It definitely feels like um, a really major metropolitan area that if you wanted to have a modeling or an acting career, that would be the place to go. If not Toronto and Canada, definitely Vancouver. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think they shoot a few movies there too. I think Canada in general has a ton of movies that they produce just because there's so much open space. So you can really just like set up a set and be unbothered for a while. Oh, I love it. I would imagine that um, there's probably some tax benefits too if they're shooting that many movies there. Yeah, I don't think so. North Dakota might need to consider that. We have a lot of open space, but no movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. It could be the next the next hotspot for movie production. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like Canada might be a little bit more appealing. <laughs> I've been to North Dakota. I think it's great. I do. I, I love it. It's cold. So I am surprised that they would choose a, a colder location. But, um, yeah, I, I love Vancouver. Hopefully I get to go back again soon. Um, So now that she was finally back in Canada, Nova could also begin competing in pageantry. With several years of modeling experience, the Miss Universe organization was clearly the one for her. The same year that she returned to Canada was the first year Nova competed at Miss Universe Canada. She wasn't letting any time slip by, and she decided to wear a weave at her pageant, which is a common choice, especially in 2014, which 
I guess seems like last year, but it was like six years ago. So time is flying by, but a lot has changed. And although she was a newbie back then, her impressive performance carried her into the top 12. Now that Nova was clearly starting to emerge as a powerhouse in the modeling and pageant industry, she caught the attention of premier talent management, who started representing her in 2015. And for those of uh, our listeners who are trying to break into the pageant industry, if you go to our website, pageantplanet.com, and in the search bar, you choose articles and you search modeling, there are some great articles and resources that are from pageant girls' perspective who have started in the pageant industry and transitioned to modeling uh, because that's a lot, a gateway of where a lot of successful people started. I think so there's a list of uh, people that are now successful in other areas that started as models. I think like Gal Gadot was one of them who's Wonder Woman, which is a big deal, I'd say, to be Wonder Woman. But there's plenty of other people. That's where they got their start. That's where they got discovered. So uh, take a look, pageantplanet.com, and in the articles, just search modeling, and you'll see a bunch of things come up. So in, in 2018, that's four years later, Nova returned to the Miss Universe Canada stage, and she wanted to embrace more aspects of her natural beauty. So she showed off her Afro-textured hair throughout the competition. And she says, for my first pageant, I had my weave on so my hair was straight, she explained. But for the second time, I wanted to be sure that I was authentic. I was representing me. And during the finale, Nova was called into the top 20. And as many pageant girls would understand, Nova was quite discouraged after her performance. With dreams of transforming the pageant industry from the inside out, Nova quite honestly felt defeated. She says, I was devastated because a part of me felt that my hair had something to do with it. That may not be true, but I did feel that way because I was more prepared that time than I was the previous year. A couple things to note here. Sometimes we underestimate our natural charm and abilities. So often like you'll have success as an, as a new contestant and you'll get a coach and you'll prepare and you'll do worse. And that's because you're probably not being true to the authentic nature that made you excel in the first place. Or maybe we've taken a lot of that, um, like swag, that natural swagger out of you. Cara, have you seen that with a contestant where they've just been like coached and overcoached in the wrong direction? Oh, absolutely. Um, even myself, you know, when you when you don't succeed at your competition, you think that there's something you need to do that you need to change. Um, and I've done that a few different times. And it was when I finally was really myself that I exceeded, um, you know, all types of expectations and really did the best that I had ever done before. Um, so I, I've definitely seen it. I've done it myself. And, you know, they say that you are the best you and you just need to embrace it because no one, no one can be like you. And, you know, when you you try to replicate what someone else is doing, it's it's really hard to fake it for a long period of time. And at the end of the day, the judges don't have a uh, set idea of who they're crowning or or what specifically they're looking for. It's kind of brought to the table during that interview, during your on stage, and so you really have the ability to define what it means to be that title holder. For sure. And the second piece of that that we'll cover is she talked about her hair and how she wore the weave and then she had her hair. So she thought that that was holding her back. Cara, I don't know how you feel, but I feel in 2020, especially different hair works for you more often than it works against you. I mean, I can think of contestants and I'm going to say this nicely as I can, because this is an uplifting podcast, but I've seen contestants get a lot of hype because they had really unique hairstyles, they had an edgier look, but if they had had long hair, I don't think they would have gotten the hype, if that makes sense. 
Yes, I, I agree. And, you know, it's really what makes you stand out, makes you so unique. Um, and, you know, when there's so many remarkable women up on stage, having a defining feature like that can really set you apart um, and really catch the judges' eyes from the beginning. Well, and I was, I, Cara and I were just talking because I was at National American Miss this past week, especially if you're a contestant that already is a, is a strong competitor. If you have that defining feature that Cara just meant, it's going to take you right to the top because there's going to be hundreds of beautiful contestants, hundreds of beautiful gowns. And if you have one thing that's like, oh, I remember her because she's different than those hundreds of people. I love a contestant with short hair. I myself like short hair in, in general. So if you have a great wardrobe, a great face, a great presentation, great energy, and that's something that you're considering and you know you're, that you can work a short hairstyle, I mean... Don't feel like you have to hide behind long hair in the pageant industry just because if you, if I look at the top five, um, the top fives from this past week at National American Miss, there's several unique characteristics in every single one of those top fives. And they're probably amazing contestants and it probably certainly worked in their favor that they stood out physically as well. Oh, absolutely. And I can't stress enough, you know, what your mindset is going into competition or, you know, how confident you feel really does impact your performance. And so when you're coming out and being your authentic, true self, you know, you're having the opportunity to really showcase to the judges, this is who I am. And whether you like it or not, like this is, I'm proud to be who I am. Um, and you really see that, that difference in confidence level too, between contestants. Oh, for sure. I, I remember, this is unpageant related, but when I chopped my hair off, I chopped off like, I want 13 inches of hair once and I had a cute little bob and I love it. I think about it all the time. And my energy that I was putting off the week after I got my hair cut was so strong. Everyone was <laughs> like, oh my gosh, you're glowing. You look so great because I felt like I'm able to shine. It's not my hair. Like I don't have to spend an hour and a half doing my hair. I spent 40 minutes and I'm getting maybe, okay, maybe not 40 minutes. I'm spending like 25 minutes and getting like the same great energy put out, putting out into the world. So the confidence in you is what shines. So don't feel like you have to have mountains of hair to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so at this point, Nova had given up on pageantry, and that is until she watched Zozie Tunzi win the coveted Miss Universe crown. Identifying with the new queen, Nova explained that she had my skin, my hair color, my hair texture, and my hair length. I saw myself through her, and that's why representation is so important. And so important. Yes, I just I love that quote because it also really showcases, you know, a woman in a position like Miss Universe, the impact that she has. And again, we've we've talked about this before, but how you are impacting so many people's lives without even realizing it. Um, and so the fact that Nova, you know, was impacted and thought, you know what, I can do that, too. I, I just love it. Carl, we were just talking about a law paper you're working on about representation of women in law. Do you want to like give us a little snippet of representation in other areas of life as a woman? Yes. Um, you know, we hear so many times about the the glass ceiling and it's something that's been in my mind and I've written about it before, but I am going to be doing this, this long extensive paper on particularly women in law and the sexism that I've witnessed. And so, you know, I really do feel like pageantry has prepared me for, you know, 
life afterwards and, you know, really breaking these glass ceilings. And one of my, my key theses on the paper is that, you know, women in law, and I'm looking at female prosecutors, but just litigators in general, it's not a glass ceiling. It's actually a magnifying glass. And the media sits in, you know, in an industry where, where women are not as represented, um, kind of pokes and prods at every little aspect. And that's not just in law, it's, it's in science. You know, we, we see all the time the lack of representation. It's in, you know, Congress itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, really being able to, to stand up and say, you know, I can do this despite the odds, despite the ceiling, despite the, the you know, microscope that I am put under and I'm going to succeed. Yeah, you had said something really powerfully to me a bit ago. You said you saw a female um, on on the stand practicing law, and then it took you 132 more hours of observation to see another one. Yes. And then, and in addition to that, I've done 249 hours this semester. um, And that was the only other female I saw. So I had, you know, the the supervisor I have as a female, I saw another woman 132 hours later, and I haven't seen another one since. So Uh, women need to watch Legally Blonde again. They need to see (laughs) Elle Woods in practice, see the representation, and they need to go to law school like you. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what's interesting is, you know, is in these certain fields, we have women, you know, entering my class of lawyers specifically, we had about 50% female, 50% male, yet certain areas of law, there's not that equal representation. Mm. And so it's kind of really diving into what is causing that. Um, why aren't women as interested? And, you know, sometimes, and I, I've talked to a few, a few female um, prosecutors, but in areas of law in general that don't have as many women, sometimes the women stand out and clients are like, purposely seeking those women because they bring something different to the courtroom Mm. um, that's not always recognized. And so, you know, with how many times there's also these barriers and, you know, all of these obstacles we have to overcome, you have to also be able to identify what advantages you have, um, you know, being in a, in a group that's not as represented. Yeah. I love that. I think it's so important to continue to revisit those conversations and, it happens more than just the pageant industry. So I love that Zozi was able to inspire Nova and kind of reassure her like, yes, sis, you're on the right path. Absolutely. Absolutely. And with the found drive to capture the Miss Universe Canada crown after seeing Zozi, Nova returned to the pageant scene in 2020. Even before competing, Nova had big plans regarding the title. And if she were to win, Nova explained that she would use the platform to support the Black Lives Matter movement and racial justice. She's stated, the point is for you to listen. And if I have to go on a bigger stage for you to listen, then I'm going to do that. That's what I want to do with Miss Universe Canada. Use that platform so I can reach a broader audience. So I can create awareness and educate more people. Because at the end of the day, it's about educating people. And she says now a seasoned competitor, she... Um, she brought poise, fierceness, passion to the competition. And as we know, she's not one to shy away from sharing her story. And her introductory statement attracted international attention. So Cara, I'm going to have you read that in its entirety. Yes, her statement starts. Good evening. I am Nova Stevens. I'm a Canadian and a black woman. As I stand before you, I want you to see me as a black woman. Yes, I want you to see color. Because seeing color does not mean you're a racist. Instead, it allows you to see the struggles experienced by people of color. You've heard the news. You've read the stories. Innocent black lives have been lost to police brutality and hate crimes. 
We want you to see us. We want you to hear us. We want you to feel us. Oh, goosebumps. Me too. When I read that the first time, I I was just so proud to even be part of this industry. Uh, you know, and and really, you know, women are taking this platform and expanding it so much further than I think it was ever expected to to reach. And mm-hmm. I just, oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, we did a a podcast with my friend Elise Banks um, in the height of the Black Lives Matter tension, I think back in May or June. And Elise is a black woman in pageantry. She actually just took over the ownership of the Miss Houston pageant in Texas, which um, Texas, as we know, um, has some some challenges with with racism, um, as do as does every city in America, but especially in the Deep South. Um, but we talked about okay, how can pageants be more racially present. Um, and she said, the first thing you can do is have diverse judges on your panel. And I was like, that is the most obvious choice I've ever heard. And in fact, I never thought of it. Like, of course she's like, well, different people see different types of beauty. And when I see myself represented in beauty, I, I gravitate towards that. So as a judge, you have all white women or white, all white judges, they're going to reward what they see beautiful. And that's why you don't see as many black winners. Um, and I thought that was really, really interesting. Had you, have you ever thought about that before? Have you ever considered that? Yes, I have. Um, and I remember there was one local competition I had done. And in the interview, kind of going back to our, our other topic of, you know, the lack of representation and sexism, I did bring part of that up. And I remember for some reason, this panel had primarily, I think there was only one woman on the panel mm. and all of the rest were men. And as I was talking, I could just feel that they didn't believe me or they didn't mm. understand me. Um and and I kind of knew in that interview that I had lost them. And it was probably one of the worst interviews I've ever done. And, you know, as you're sitting there and you're explaining your story and you're being vulnerable and having a panel of judges when you can tell that none of them understand where you are coming from or the experiences mm-hmm. you have um, can not only make you leave the interview room not feeling confident, but it also can, you know, after that, I was like, maybe my viewpoints are not fit for pageantry, <laughs> um, you know, and and that wasn't the perspective I should have. And instead, I look back on it and I'm like, wow, I'm really proud that I recognize that and and shifted my viewpoint and knew that that's what was wrong. It wasn't my ideas. It was that what I was saying, no one else had experienced before. And so I agree that, you know, you really do need that diverse panel. Um, you have to be able to have individuals on there who can understand or at least, you know, empathize with with what is being said, what the topics are, what your passions are. Um, and when you have people that all think the same, the group think, and the, the contestant, it's just going to be the same type of contestant that wins every year. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to advance the platform of pageantry and, and what this entire purpose is without that diversity being represented. Oh, I love that you lived something just like what I just said. Yeah, and and I don't want to compare my experience at all to to the experience, uh, especially in the South, of of the racism that perpetuates the system. But it was something where, you know, when you experience something even just similar, you can start to realize that, you know, there really is an issue here that needs to be addressed. You're right. They're not not comparable. It's more of 
it's more of like, so I learn when I'm put, I'm able to get parallels between different situations. So to me, you're absolutely right. It's not the same, but it's like, okay, this would be the same if this, ha- it would be similar if this happened. I'm like, okay, yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah. So it just puts and, it into different perspectives. Yeah. And reflecting on how I felt from that situation, I can't imagine you know, a similar situations and, and on a bigger scale and where you feel like that's the continuous pattern, you know, luckily for me, that only happened one time. It's a, it's a very like instilled memory, but it happened one time and I didn't really have it after that. But, you know, the lack of representation we see in judging panel is kind of across the, the entire industry. And, mm-hmm. you know, we really recognize when a panel does bring those diverse viewpoints. Um, and I think that's when we see some of our strongest women really excelling to the top, because that's where we're able to dive into those, you know, harder to talk about topics, um, and really get a large, you know, variety of viewpoints that really further the conversation. Cara, did you judge the Miss Universe that Zozi won? I did, yes. Tell me about that judging panel. Who was on that panel with you? Oh, my goodness. We had such amazing diversity. It was, you know, the Miss Universe organization prides themselves in having an all-female panel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had never served on an all-female panel. And I think that really did bring um, a different perspective to it. Because as women were talking about, you know, some of the struggles they faced in each of their countries, there were things that I was like, I had I had no idea that this was an issue. And um, I remember one contestant particularly talking about how this was really her way out. You know, it was her, mm. her opportunity and, you know, she was going to take it and she was going to run with it. And, um, you know, for, for, for me, pageantry was always, you know, like, well, it started off kind of as like a fun hobby, but it was a totally different perspective for some sure. of these other contestants. And, um, you know, I, I've, I, I'm not fluent in any other language. I did take, you know, Spanish in high school, but <laughs> but nothing like that. And, you know, when these women would come in and they could speak five or six languages, you know, everyone on the judges panel, we had people who could who could speak and communicate based on those languages. And so a lot of times, you know, I I felt like, you know, the the other judge next to me was translating for me. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I loved that as well, because it was like, this is what we need to see, you know, at an international stage, we need to see diversity, we need to see, um, you know, variety of viewpoints. And I feel like being on that judges panel, there was an entirely new appreciation um, for for the industry as a whole and, and the Miss Universe organization and the capabilities that it provides um, women. So that's interesting. So we just talked about the importance of representation. So what do you think are the pros and the cons of having an all-female panel? Ooh. Um, you know, now it's probably going to contradict what I said before about having the, the all-male panel, but there's something about women understanding other women's struggles. Mm-hmm. And um, I... I thought that was one of the most powerful parts was that even if I couldn't relate to something specifically or, or or not even not relate, if I didn't have a similar experience, I could empathize. And I knew exactly how that woman probably felt while, while I've never had that experience myself. It was, it was just this empowering moment to know that, you know, a whole group of women were going to change another woman's life. Um, and that, you know, we were there to really uplift and encourage. Um, I think that was something that, that was really unique was having this all female panel, you know, society tries to pin us against one another. Mm. (laughs) And we were so thrilled to get to hear, you know, what each contestant was passionate about. Um, you know, what, 
what each person was doing in their country to really make a change and um, impact the world. And so there, there was a lot of just, I, I don't know, I don't think I've ever felt more empowered than sitting in that room hearing about all the amazing accomplishments other women have been doing. Uh, and, and you could just feel it among the panel. And you could f- tell that each one of us could really understand or empathize. So, mm. so that was remarkable. Um, for a con, I, I really don't think I... I had a con at all. (laughs) Uh, You know, and I look back at my Miss America interview and I do remember one of my male judges, I I had talked a little bit about, um, you know, some of the struggles of being a woman and he did a really good job of saying, well, I have a daughter and what would you like my daughter to know? And so relating it that way, that was, that was very well done. And um, not all not all judges do that. And not just by gender, but by race, by socioeconomic status. And um, so I don't know. I just and maybe it was the 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 way they created the panel and who was all on it that it didn't really matter that it was all female. We had such a amazing, diverse group. Uh, but I I just really I don't know. I don't think I I had a con by any means. And that's uh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you kind of stumped me on this. I'm not usually stumped, but I I loved it. Um, and I, I'm so glad that they continue to do it because I really saw the impact that it makes. Well, I I love the stories, the behind the scenes stories you're able to provide Cara. So I can just feel that this is like the tip of the iceberg as we continue (laughs) on our podcast journey together. So this will be great for our listeners, but, um, I do want to get back to Nova um, cause Nova, like we just heard that introduction a while ago, but that was an amazing introduction that we heard and you could just, I, you both, you and I both, we said we had goosebumps, could feel how passionate she was about the topic and being a title holder is so much more than a pretty face with a killer walk. You need to have that passion, determination and goals that you just mentioned. And most importantly, you need to have a message. And by being passionate and vulnerable during that introduction, Nova was able to connect with the judges and showcase her qualifications for the title. And during the finale, Nova's years of modeling and experience proved her worth, and she was awarded the Best Runway Model Award. Not surprisingly, her success did not end there. At the end of the night, Nova became the second Black woman to be crowned Miss Universe Canada. And after bringing home the coveted crown, Nova realized that her platform was bigger than ever. She now had the opportunity to speak out again. About, speak out about issues that had impacted her life and reach those that need to hear her the most. So if you have a platform that touches a current event, do not shy away from that. We are in a place where you're able to have a voice. However, it is so critical to remember that when you are a title holder, you are a representative for an organization, which can make things uh, more challenging because you you can't Upset their sponsors, there's other stakeholders. So, so Cara, how can you as a contestant stay strong in your convictions without being too polari- polarizing of a relative? Yes. Oh, it's such a fine line to walk. Um, and I don't think you really figure it out until you're in that role. And so some advice I have is, you know, it's, it's important that people know that as a title holder, you do have thoughts and you have opinions. You know, you're a well-educated woman. You're there for that reason. Um, I also say, you know, if, if you're not there to make a difference in the year, then what was the point of the title? Um, so I think recognizing that you have your personal viewpoints, but you're also representing something so much larger than yourself. Uh, and really identifying, you know, 
how the organization approaches this topic is something that's important. Um, but I think, you know, making it very clear that what your thoughts, what your opinions are, are not the thoughts or opinions of the entire organization. And uh, I always say, you know, it's it's better to listen than to continuously speak. And so as a title holder, while, while you have these opinions, uh, it's also you know, it provides a lot of knowledge and um, a lot of credibility when you sit and listen to other people's viewpoints and viewpoints that may differ significantly from your own. Um, and so I think every person does it a little bit differently, but I don't think it's a bad thing for you to have your thoughts or opinions or or to state those, but being, you know, always aware that that what you're saying isn't just going to be a representative of you it's going to be a representative of the organization as a whole and also all the all of the women who compete in that organization for sure and you said it perfectly it's about listening a lot of contestants right now that have these hot topic platforms have been using their platform to open up conversation and they interview contestants or other people of influence in their community on their social media platforms. So they're listening. And that's how, the, that's how they're doing it correctly and successfully. So you said it perfectly. Absolutely. And, you know, right now, it's our world just seems to be so polarizing. And as a title holder, there's really this opportunity to bring people together. And so the point, the point of listening, it is, you know, it provides a lot of insight to you. It, um, you know, it's a great thing to do, but it's also an amazing opportunity to connect people. And I think it's something now more than ever that we really need to continue to do and to foster. Yeah. But um, in an interview with the Vancouver Magazine, Nova explained that it's important to get to know people who don't resemble you. Because when you do that, it creates a better understanding. And I think hate comes from a lack of understanding. I want to show other girls of color, specifically girls who have dark skin and non-Eurocentric features, that you don't have to fit the status quo to be considered beautiful or to excel in industries that are primary or predominantly white. That's why it is so important for me to win with natural hair. Uh, and this this quote, I just I love it because again, she is staying so true to who she is, and she's not she's not differing just because you know she wants the title or because she's had the title and feels like she needs to do that. She has stayed true to herself the entire time. Absolutely, and lifting up people and communities of color is nothing new for Nova, who's been extremely active and vocal regarding the Black Lives Matter movement, as we already uh, addressed. Following the killing of George Floyd at the hands of three Minneapolis police officers, Nova joined the worldwide protest movement. Rather than simply participate in the protests, Nova decided to take a bigger role. Along with activist Shamika Mitchell, Nova organized the Freedom March in June 2020, where 15,000 people protested against racism and police brutality, also celebrating Juneteenth. After organizing such a successful march, Nova and Shamika began organizing marches and events supporting the Black Lives Matter movement across Vancouver. Most notably, Nova and her organizing partner were instrumental figures in lobbying for the mayor of Vancouver, Kennedy Stewart, to declare August 1st as an Emancipation Day. Nova literally made history. Like most title holders, Nova also donates her time to the youth in her community. Specifically, Nova serves as a spokesmodel for Keep Six, a nonprofit organization that provides assistance to underprivileged youth who are wrongly accused of criminal activity. 
And from what we've seen and heard from Nova, she could become a front runner at Miss Universe. Will you be following her journey to the international stage? If there's one thing we can learn from Nova, it's that you should never take no for an answer. Follow your dreams and set your sights on the prize. You never know what you'll achieve. If you would like to be the featured contestant for our next podcast, create a contestant profile with all your information, hidden facts, and what makes you special. Then email support at pageantplanet.com with the title podcast feature so we can review your profile. We will let you know after you submit if you are scheduled. And a special thank you to Katarina Kataklidis for doing the research for today's podcast. And thanks for listening. If you've received any benefit from this show or from ones previous, please consider giving us a five-star review. It may seem like a small action, but it really helps keep the show going. Until next time, take care. Want to become a part of pageant history? Create a free contestant or business profile on pageantplanet.com to unlock hidden features and connect with other experts throughout the world. 